morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Ethos. If you don't know me, my name is Larkin. I'm the campus pastor here uh, of this location of Ethos. And I just want to let you know before we get started about something that's going to be happening tomorrow evening. Um, we're doing this thing called Open House. And if, if you're new to Ethos, want to get more information about Ethos, this is the best first step in this community. Uh, we, we just sit down for a couple hours and provide dinner, and we just, tell, just talk for a little while how we get started, uh, what does Ethos really care about, what are the kind of the core ways we try and live out the mission of God in our context. So if, if you're not a family member here or you just want to know more about Ethos, uh, join us tomorrow evening, open house. Uh, you can sign up for that uh, out on the porch at the Get Connected banner. That'll be over at the cannery at 6.30. Uh, so sign up for that before you leave. If you don't have a Bible, you can stand up and grab one at any point. There are blue Bibles in the corners of the room. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 today. Uh, if you're using one of those blue Bibles, that's on page 558. 558. So if you're joining us today for the first time, I know we got some parents here uh, in Nashville for the weekend visiting and uh, joining for Parents Weekend and next weekend as well. But um, if you're joining us for the first time, just want to catch you up a little bit on where we are at today in our series. Uh, we're in the second week of a series called uh, Belonging and Becoming. Belonging and Becoming. And this series is all about what it means for us to be the family of God. Like, how do we belong? What does it look like to belong? How do we become more fully what God has in mind for us? It's all about um, this community and how we live out this um, family of God in the world. You know, so last week, so we talked about this idea that God is building a spiritual house in 1 Peter 2. I mean, he's uh, brick by brick, by brick uh, laying uh, uh, us together to build this house where God's presence comes and dwells. And we're like this body of Christ that all has individual roles to play. And the core idea was that um, we don't find transformation in life just through uh, information, just by showing up and learning facts or intellectual things. It's all about the participation with God where true transformation happens. And we're gonna continue that idea this week as we unpack a little more specifically what that looks like in our lives. You know, we ended last week pretty vague about just really trying to embrace the idea that God invites us into participation in the world. And that it's not just about learning things, but, but we participate with God. And, and this week, we're, we're going to try and um, unpack a little bit what that looks like more specifically, how that works itself out maybe a little more practically. Um, so here, here's, if you can just like hear my heart and feel my heart for you today, here's what I want. I so badly want for you to come alive in God through participating with the Holy Spirit. Like that's what I want for you as your pastor. Like, I, I want so bad for you to discover the unique ways God has wired and gifted you, and then to just participate with him in this church, in the world, in your life, in your vocation, and to just come alive through that type of participation. And I think that's going to be uh, sometimes hard to do, hard to know how to do, right? Do you ever feel like in your life, it's just like, okay, like, I know I'm supposed to go to church. That's pretty, maybe, maybe that's pretty easy. I can show up. I, I feel in control of that activity. But outside of that, sort of like, how, how do I participate with this invisible God in the world, in my vocation, in my relationships with friends and classmates and coworkers and family? What does that even look like? Where do I even begin? So today, I, I want to try and unpack a little bit of some specific ways that that, that, that looks um, and this topic today, honestly, could be a 10-week series where we could just dive in super, super deep. 
Uh, so today we're not going to get too, too practical, but I am going to try and whet our appetites and give us some imagination about how the Holy Spirit could work in your life and in this community in, in the contexts that you're in. So to start, I want to lay just kind of a foundation uh, about how God is working in the world uh, so, so that we can begin to understand how we might participate in that activity, okay? So the first thing I want to talk about um, is this, this idea, this concept, the Holy Spirit is always active, that God is always active in the world. Uh, the foundation that, that we're going to see this from is from Acts 17. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to put this verse on the screen. Um, Acts 17, verses 27 and 28. And this is, this is a moment in, in the book of Acts where the Apostle Paul is talking to some people um, in the city, and he's explaining to them what God is truly like. Uh, in the midst of this Greek and Roman myth- mythological religious culture, he's going to say, let me, let me give you some ideas about about God. He says, yet God is not actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. So he's kind of coming against this idea in the Roman world that God is some distant deity that's uninvolved with our realities. He's saying, no, God is so much closer than you could imagine, so close that we actually have our being, that we live and move in God in the world. So that's the foundation. The Holy Spirit is always present, always active, always moving. It's the sustaining force, the sustaining person uh, that is constantly working to restore creation and to restore humanity uh, to to what God intended for us. We have our being in God. I think so often we have a framework of God that, like if I had a whiteboard up up here, this is how I would draw it. We would draw a circle on the whiteboard and we'd put like creation and like natural world inside the circle. And then God would be outside that circle on the whiteboard. And, and whenever God, whenever we experience God, it's God having to break into that natural experience that we have in the world. And I don't think that's the, the picture that we get in the scriptures and throughout a lot of Christian tradition. I think the truer picture of God's activity in the world is we ever just erase the circle. Like God's always active. God is fully sustaining, always moving, always present in the world and in our lives. So that's kind of the, the foundation. So uh, maybe a, a way to think about this, a word picture. Um, how many of you before this moment were thinking about gravity? Zero. Like, raise your hand, because I want to know. It's just like, man, just always thinking about it. No. Uh, but none of us just sort of think about gravity, right? But it's this constant, albeit subtle force that's always influencing us. Always. You never escape it unless you're in space. And even then, like, gravity is still there. It's always acting on us, even though we're not aware of it. I think that's like, it's not exactly like, but it's sort of like what we'll call the ordinary work of the Holy Spirit. The ordinary work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe the slow work of God or the the subtle work of God. Always there, always influencing, but we rarely notice it because it's so fundamental and ordinary to our experience. We're going to explore that more as we go. So that's kind of the first big idea. God's always active. In contrast, though, there's another way that God acts and moves in the world where we become acutely aware of his presence, and it's out of the ordinary. Many people will refer to this uh, as the supernatural, and they have sort of that picture of God, the supernatural, outside nature, having to interact with the world. And I understand that sentiment. I can understand where that comes from. 
But I think it creates a separation in our thinking that's not very healthy. It's not that the Holy Spirit has to break in to the natural world for us to experience God, but that the Spirit's presence and work is intensified so that we become more aware to God's activity around us. You tracking with that so far? So maybe in the, the gravity example, it's like if you're sitting in a chair and you're not really aware of gravity and you're just like posting up in class and leaning back a little bit and then you lean back a little too far and say, whoa, and in that moment, you're like, I'm dead. It's all over, like I'm gonna die, right? I don't know if you've, has anyone ever just totally lost it in the middle of a meeting? Like I've been in an important meeting in like a suit and just like leaning back casually and just out on the floor and I just stayed there. I was like, I'm just gonna stay down here, I guess. Uh, but but it's this, this, this moment where you weren't aware of gravity until you realized um, it was really always there and it had full control over you. And you become like acutely aware of, of gravity in that moment. Maybe another way to put it, it's like the intensity of volume gets turned up so that you're more aware of the Holy Spirit's activity, the music that the Holy Spirit is writing in your life. So it's not that the Spirit is breaking in from a place of absence, but intensifying from a place of presence. The Holy Spirit's not breaking in from a place of absence, but intensifying from a place of presence. And as we anticipate God's activity in the world, as we long for it, we participate with God. We learn to cooperate with that intensification of the Spirit. So we have this way uh, that God is moving in the world that is both slow and ordinary and subtle, but also fast and extraordinary and intensified. And both are the work of God in the world. So now that we have that, that kind of foundation, I want us to look at some of the specific ways we might see that happen. This may not seem like a big deal for us to really hold on to that, but I think it's fundamental to our participation with God in the world, fundamental. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, it's page 558 in the Blue Bibles. And I, and I wanna look at some of the, the ways that Paul, the, one of the early church leaders, is writing to a church about some of the ways that he observes that slow and fast, subtle and intensified work of the Spirit in their context. 1 Corinthians 12, we'll, go, we'll start with verses one through 11. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Listen to how many times Paul says same, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to no one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, or sorry, to one the, is given the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues, and all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. 
Now, before we dive into this text a little bit, um, I just want to give some disclaimers, uh, just kind of a few things that I want to observe before we dig in to the meat. So just a few disclaimers before we, we, give, we dig in. The first one, uh, that these gifts are gifts of grace, gifts, gifts of grace, not earned by merit. So the work of the Spirit um, in and through us has everything to do about pointing us and others to God, not to us. Uh, There's no reality where we earn and get to be proud of spiritual gifts. God is the one who gifts, and we don't earn any of it through our striving. In fact, the word gift in the original language is synonymous and built on the same word as grace. Like, you can't separate grace and gifting in the the scriptures. So that's the first disclaimer. And the second one, uh, these gifts are given for the common good. In other words, the, the purposes of God, the good of a community and of people in the world. Number three, much of this is very mysterious. So the activity of God in the world is just a mysterious thing. Sometimes we act act like we have it all figured out. We're like, no, I know exactly how God works. Not the case. God is so much bigger and more complex and more mysterious than we could imagine. And so this is an exercise in humility, an exercise sort of in exploration. Uh, And and I'm very much a novice when when it comes to some of this. So this is gonna be a journey that we get to take together. So gifts of grace given for the common good. They're very mysterious. Last one, this is not a spiritual personality test. (laughs) This is not like spiritual Myers-Briggs. Like I'm INFJ with like a gift of healing. (laughs) That's like not it, okay? These gifts in, in the scriptures are not exhaustive. Like these are the only ways that the Holy Spirit works. This is not an exclusive list. And and this is why in other texts in the scriptures, like in Romans 12, Paul will use some of these and add others and exclude some. So it's almost as if Paul is sort of observing observing Corinth, saying, okay, I see some of this happening. Let me talk about these for a few minutes. Um, Not excluding other ways that God might work. So we're gonna gonna dive in a little bit. I want us to see some of the gifts represented here. Um, And and some of you like had this like tension in your heart, like, oh, this is kind of weird. We're just gonna go for it. Okay, we're just gonna go for it, okay? So we'll see what happens. Um, This might feel a little bit overwhelming at first because I'm not gonna dive in all the way to every one of these. Uh, What I'm gonna try and do is give you a picture, a snapshot of what some of these gifts look like so that you can imagine what it might be like to participate in that. Because if we don't know some pictures of how God might move, we're not gonna feel free to step into those things. So I'm gonna try and whet your appetite a little bit. And then um, if you want further exploration of these, explanation, um, reach out to me either after today or through email or Twitter, and I will be glad to point you to books and podcasts. We can go get coffee and we can keep talking. All right, so um, as, we, as we go through some of these, I, wanna, I want you to notice and pay attention to the frameworks we talked about earlier, both the, the ordinary work of the Spirit and the extraordinary, kind of that slow, subtle work of God and also the, the fast and intensified work of God. And we're going to operate on the assumption um, that all of these gifts are still available to believers in the church. Uh, we don't have too much time to really explore why we're going to hold to that assumption, but that's kind of how in this community we're going to, going to operate. So the first ones I want to talk about are gifts that are revelatory in nature, the revelatory gifts. And these are all about God speaking to you and through you for the sake of someone else. God speaking to you for the sake of someone else oftentimes them stepping into fuller faith or participation in God. So um, those three are what, what you noticed in this text, the, the, the words of wisdom or an utterance of wisdom, words of knowledge, and then words of prophecy. 
So very simply, uh, the, the, the word of wisdom, the spiritual gift of having this utterance of wisdom is, is when uh, God gives you particular uh, wisdom into someone's situation that embodies God's wisdom for their current life circumstance. It's kind of how that works out. Um, the, the second one, the word of knowledge is a little bit different. Um, this has to do more with information, more with kind of factual knowledge. This is often when someone feels impressed upon their heart, whether through just sort of an internal voice from the spirit um, about a specific idea or a piece of knowledge about someone's life. Uh, I've seen this happen in prayer ministry where you're just kind of praying for someone and all of a sudden there's this, there's this thing that you know you need to say to them. I've been in a situation where we were praying for someone and, and someone praying said, I don't, this might resonate with you, it might not, but I feel like I'm supposed to ask you about your relationship with your brother. How, how's that going? Is, is that even close to, and, and that person the night before had had a huge blow up with, with their brother. And it was this moment where that word of knowledge opened up fuller faith uh, to realize, oh, God sees me. God knows me. God interacts with, with my experience. So that's word, words of knowledge. And the last one is uh, words of prophecy. Um, prophetic words in this, this context are always about the future. And it's not that we're fortune tellers about like just random stuff like the Titans today. It's, <laughs> that's not what it's about. It's always about inviting someone into the future reality God has for them. Inviting someone into whatever God might have for them in the future. And the purpose of these revelatory gifts are always to cultivate a deeper hunger for God, uh, to cultivate more faith for who God is, how to be wise in the circumstances that they're walking through. And these words of knowledge or prophetic words sometimes seem a little more extraordinary or intensified in the spirit. It's like, okay, I didn't know that about you, and all of a sudden I feel like I have this information that I need to share. That's kind of the intensified work of the spirit. So those are the revelatory gifts. I want to go through the next four pretty quick. Um, these are often gift, uh, gifts that are designated like manifestations of power, manifestations of power or special trust in God. So the first one is the gift of faith. This isn't saving faith. Every believer has saving faith in God. This is some type of just deep conviction that God will reveal his power and his mercy in some special way in a specific moment just kind of a mysterious surge in the confidence and confidence in God in a particular place. It's the gift of faith. The next one, he says gifts of healing. So every gift so far and for the rest of the, the text is singular. But he says gifts, plural, of healing. A lot of people think, and I th I'm pretty persuaded by this, that, that the gifts of healing can include all sorts of ways that God heals. Both the slow and the fast work of healing, the gradual and the sudden. So it can be physical, psychosomatic, emotional, mental, through use of medi medication and surgery, but also intensified, direct, where the spirit will work quickly and heal where, where we might think it's more miraculous. And all of that is subsumed under the spiritual gift of healing. So I think therapists and doctors and nurses and surgeons find themselves here. Where the, right, remember, the spirit is always at work to heal, always at work to restore and sometimes that's the slow work of the Spirit through physical therapy and through medication. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will show up quickly and deliver someone from a particular mental illness. And those things aren't in contrast or in conflict. They're, they work together in, in the Spirit. 
If you want more on that, I can give you a, a great book. The next one, uh, The Gifts of Miracles, Gift of Miracles. This is distinguished from healing a little bit, and most of the time it just means a general category where extraordinary work of the Spirit is manifested. I'll just leave that one there for the sake of time. The next one, The Gift of Discernment. So this is um, kind of thought to be discerning a situation or uh, motiva- motivations of people, uh, kind of the spirit of someone. I've been around a situation before where um, we were inter- me and a friend who were interacting with someone and I think they had this spiritual gift of discerning spirits or discerning uh, situations. And there was a great interaction with this, this third person, but uh, my friend shared with me, I-, I really think something is off here. Like, I think we need to reconsider some of the things we're inviting this person into. And a little more exploration revealed that this person was like deceiving everyone in their life about all sorts of things. And I think that was a moment where the Holy Spirit gave insight, gave discernment into someone's life uh, for, the sake of, um, for the sake of God's purpose in that situation. The last two gifts have, have to do with language. Tongues and interpretation. I'm just gonna skip this one. Um, no, just kidding. Um, we don't have time to go into depth where this like, truly deserves. Um, I'll, I'll say a couple words about it, uh, but I know that Aaron over at the cannery is teaching a little bit more in depth on uh, some of the more mysterious gifts like this. So if you, want, if you want more information on that, listen to the podcast this week. I think he's gonna give, give some more depth there. But um, the idea is that there's this intimate connection with God that results in someone's ability to speak in a language that they do not know, whether uh, a natural language or uh, what we might consider a more uh, mysterious language, a spiritual language. And that in, in tandem with that, there's someone who can interpret those things. And there are a variety of ways that this has worked itself out in the church um, for a long time. We don't have time to get into that, but that's the idea of what the gift of tongues and interpretation looks like. So I know that was quick, and not exhaustive, and you're probably like, wait, I have so many questions. <laughs> let's talk. Please, let's talk. Uh, talk to me afterwards. Connect with me. If there's a specific place that you want more information, I can point you there. Um, but um, the idea is, many of these gifts seem sort of out of the ordinary, right? It's like, oh, those are all sort of extraordinary gifts where people might call them supernatural. But um, some spiritual gifts are actually more normal and ordinary, so if we were to jump down to the end of chapter 12, you, know, you can kind of look at there, uh, verses 27 through 30. I'll just name a few of the words that you see there. Other spiritual gifts that Paul groups in with some of the ones we just talked about. So you see words like uh, teachers and uh, gifts of helping, administrating. Um, and then other places like in Romans 12, we see gifts of leadership. Um, some of these things that we might consider more normal, Right? They feel just kind of our ordinary experience. And Paul does not distinguish those from the work and gifting of the Holy Spirit. So gifts like hospitality, helping, it's like the powerful work of the Spirit in someone's life. Gifts of service and leadership and administration, perhaps wisdom, all of those are vital and beautiful that are not elevated or lowered in relation to the ones that might feel more extraordinary. So it's hard to know how to take all of that and be like, okay, what do I do? Like, how do I, how do I know? How do I participate? Like, this sounds really cool to like participate in some of this, but what does this look like in my life? Uh, let, let's start here. A common question is this. Do we have a spiritual gift? Like, I, I am this. Or does God just sort of gift and give us things that we need whenever we need them? Uh, my answer is yes. 
both, okay? I think, I think we see that in the scriptures and I think our experience testifies to this, okay? Um, so as we close, I wanna bring this down a little bit by, by looking at both of the sides of that coin in two responses. The first response is to cultivate. The second response is to crave. Cultivate and to crave. Let's talk about the first one. So back to our understanding of the spirit, always present, always active, always involved. So that means that the spirit was active and is active in your formation as a human being, like the things that you're good at. We often speak of people of being gifted at things, right? That's the slow work of the Holy Spirit, the ordinary work of God in your life. And we cultivate those gifts in our lives for the purpose of participating with God for the purpose of the flourishing and the redemption of the world. So as we're attentive to how God has wired us, whether through our temperament, our personality, the things that we just feel naturally gifted at or passionate in, uh, we can become more attentive to those things and cultivate them for God's purposes in the world, to notice God's activity and to use those things as spiritual gifts for the ongoing work of the Spirit in those areas. So this means that your vocation your talents, all of those things are gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you to leverage for God in the world. So there are lawyers in our community that are using their spiritual gifts for justice in this community. There are nurses and doctors here and therapists that are partnering with God to provide physical and emotional healing to people through their gifts of healing. There are social workers that are cultivating their gifts of wisdom and discernment so that people can take steps towards wholeness in their life. I've tried to cultivate my gift of teaching and leadership in this particular context, but lots of people are cultivating that gift in other ways. Teaching fourth graders, work of the Holy Spirit, gifted by the Holy Spirit for the purposes of God in the world. That's not less than what I'm doing right now. The Holy Spirit is always active in all of those things. So we cultivate those. We refine them, we study, we teach, or we learn. We do all these things for the purposes of God in our lives and in the world. So let's cultivate. Secondly, we crave. We anticipate, we long for. Paul would say, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We long for the spirit to, as it were, turn up the volume, intensify his presence and his power in our lives. So we long for the spirit to work in extraordinary ways. We long for prophetic words, for gifts of powerful and miraculous healing, faith, even tongues, so that both we and the people we encounter may be filled with awe and pointed to Jesus. We long for those things. And so the Spirit may gift you in a moment for a particular need that you were not prepared for beforehand. It just sort of appears. It's like if you're like a carpenter building a desk and you're like, uh, I don't have the tool for this. And you're like, uh, there it is. It's just like the State Farm people just kind of show up in the commercials. It's like, shing. It's like, oh, great. And you use it. Um, that's, the Holy Spirit works like that sometimes. I've experienced this in my life where I, I've just been in a particular situation and I was like, I am not prepared for this at all. And it just feels like out of nowhere, I have wisdom and discernment on how to walk into a situation. It's like, that, that was not me. I did not ask for that. I didn't feel like that was like my personality gifting so I think the Holy Spirit will gift and, and equip us as we need in his mission. But as we are attentive to that, so as you notice, oh God, you really showed up in this moment. You gifted me with a, a gift of a prophetic word for someone. You can be attentive to that and further cultivate that as well. 
become more sensitive, become more effective in how to appropriately partner with the Holy Spirit in that gift. So there's this dual, kind of both sides of the same coin, cultivating and craving, cultivating and craving for more of God. As you do this, the whole purpose, back to what I said in the beginning, is I want every single one of you in your life and in the world to experience more of God through participation with the Holy Spirit. That's what I want for you. I want you to come alive in that. Like we said last week, there's more of God than can be known, more of God to be experienced than you can experience alone. There's more of God to be known. And as you cultivate all these ways that God has gifted you, as you crave for more of God's activity in your life, it's that type of participation with God and the Holy Spirit that will lead to the deepest transformation that you will find in this world. If I could give you a summary, some of you are like, wow, this is like so much. I don't know how to digest all of this. Where do I even begin? I'm gonna put a summary up here, not for the sake of like limiting what God can say to you, but summarizing so that you can kind of put it, uh, put it in your mind. So he- here's the summary. The Holy Spirit is always active in the world and in our lives. As we cultivate and crave that activity, we are gifted for deeper participation in both the ordinary and extraordinary ministry of God in the world. That's what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit is always active, always present, always moving. And as you cultivate and crave for more of that movement and activity in the world and in your life, the Holy Spirit will gift you and equip you for deeper participation in ordinary things, ordinary ways, and in extraordinary power for God's ministry in the world. That's what I want for you, okay? As we go to communion in just a moment, this is a moment where we go to the tables around the room and we invite you, regardless of if you're a part of this community or not, to take communion with us today. Uh, but we go to the table and we take the bread and we take the juice and, and we remember and we just receive the grace that opens up all of this for us to experience. Like this is the reason that we can experience any of God's work in the world like this. It's through Jesus in the Holy Spirit that we long and we experience more of God. So I want you to spend a few minutes um, either with the people that you're here with, with uh, a friend or um, just the community that you're here with. And you can kind of think about what, what we've been talking about. What can I cultivate in my life? What is the gift of the spirit in my life that I can cultivate? What am I naturally just inclined and gifted towards? How can I cultivate that to participate with God? But I also want you to take a moment and if you feel so led to pray and crave for Gifts of extraordinary power in the spirit for this community and for your life in the world. To like crave for it. Ask for more of God. That's what we sang about earlier, that song Holy Spirit just embodies what we're talking about. Let us become more aware of your presence. You're already moving. Your presence is already here. Let us become more aware of it. Let us experience, participate with the glory of your goodness in the world. Empower us. Help us to crave for more of that. Ask God to help you and equip you so that you can participate with him more in your life. Let's pray.